They're here, everyone. They are the smart kids at the shops with their mothers or fathers, riding their bikes around the streets and playing down by the river, as well as talking to their friends on their smartphones. Join the smart kids each week as they discover, explore, and solve the mysteries of today. Here's your host, J.T. Crowley. Hello, and welcome to my show, Smart Kids Show, the weekly podcast show that for you kids is sometimes educational, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's um, readings, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Now, last week, I started to read excerpts from The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. And I, this is a book that I loved as a kid, and I still do. And I'm having great fun um, reading the excerpts from the chapters. So last week, I started with chapter one, and I'm not going to read all the chapters. I'm going to randomly pick some. But this week, I'm going to read uh, from an excerpt from chapter two. And again, we, we will see the characters of Mole, Ratty, uh, Badger coming on board. But Toad comes um, in the, uh, the book a bit further down. And maybe next week, I'll start to read some chapters from the middle of the book, which includes Toad. Because Toad is the, the rich, um, you know, fun-loving um, Toad character. But all these characters have, you know, they have their own strengths. They have their own um, emotions. They have their own... Uh, they bring different things to the story. And that's what makes it so good. So this week, let's start with chapter two. It's The Open Road. Here we go, kids. Ratty, said the mole suddenly, one bright summer morning. If you please, I want to ask you a favour. The rat was sitting on the riverbank, singing a little song. He had just composed it himself, so he was very taken up with it and would not pay proper attention to mole or anything else. Since early morning, he had been swimming in the river in company with his friends, the ducks. And when the ducks stood on their heads, suddenly as ducks will, he would dive down and tickle their necks, just under where their chins would be if ducks had chins, till they were forced to come to the surface again in a hurry, spluttering and angry and shaking their feathers at him, which is impossible to say quite all you feel when your head is underwater. At last they implored him to go away and to tend to his own affairs and leave them to theirs. So the rat went away and sat on the river bank in the sun and made up a song about them, which he called Duck's Ditty. All along the black water, through the rushes tall, ducks start a-dabbing, up tails all. Duck tails, drake's tails, yellow feet a-quiver, yellow bills all out of sight, busy in the river. Slushy green undergrowth, where the groach swim, here we keep our larder, full and full and dim. Every one for what he likes, we like to be... Heads down, tails up, dabbling free. High in the blue above, swirls whirl accord. We are down to dabbling, up tails all. I don't know that I think so very much of that little song, Rat, observed the Mole cautiously. He was no poet himself and didn't care who knew it. And he had a candid nature. Nor don't the dogs neither, replied the Rat cheerfully. They say, 
Why can't fellows be allowed to do what they like, when they like, and as they like, instead of other fellows sitting on banks and watching them all the time and making remarks and poetry and things about them? What nonsense it all is. That's what the dogs say. So it is, so it is, said the mole with great heartiness. No, it isn't, cried the rat indignantly. Well, then, it isn't, if it isn't, replied the mole soothingly. But what I wanted to ask you was, won't you take me to call on Mr. Toad? I've heard so much about him, and I do so want to make his acquaintance. Why, certainly, said the good-natured rat, jumping to his feet and dismissing poetry from his mind for the day. Get the boat out, and we'll paddle up there at once. It's never the wrong time to call on Toad. Early or late, he's always the same fellow. Always good-tempered, always glad to see you, always sorry when you go. He must be a very nice animal, observed the Mole, as he got into the boat and took the skulls, while the Rat settled himself comfortably in the stern. He is indeed the best of friends, replied Rat. So simple, so good-natured, and so affectionate. Perhaps he's not very clever. We can't all be geniuses. And it may be that he is both boastful and conceited. But he has got some great qualities. Has Toady. Rounding a bend in the river, they came in sight of a handsome, dignified old house of mellowed red brick with well-kept lawns reaching down to the water's edge. There's Toad Hall, said the rat, and that creek on the left, where the notice board says, Private, no landing allowed, leads to his boathouse, where we'll leave the boat. The stables are over there to the right. That's the banqueting hall you're looking at now. Very old, that is. Toad is rather rich, you know, and this is really one of the nicest houses in these parts, though we never admit as much to Toad. It glided up the creek, and the mole shipped his skulls as they passed into the shadow of a large boathouse. Here they saw many handsome boats, slung from the cross beams or hauled up on a slip, but none in the water, and the place had an unused and deserted air. The rat looked around him. I understand, said he. Boating is played out. He's tired of it and done with it. I wonder what new fad he has taken up now. Come along and let's look him up. We shall hear all about it quite soon. Enough. They disembarked and strolled across the gay flower-decked lawns in search of Toad, whom they presently happened on resting in a wicker garden chair with a preoccupied expression of face and a large map spread out on his knees. Hooray! he cried, jumping up on seeing them. This is splendid! He took the paws of both of them warmly, never waiting for an introduction to the mole. How kind of you, he went on, dancing round them. I was just going to send a boat down the river for you, Ratty, with strict orders that you were to be fetched up here at once. Whatever you were doing, I want you badly. Both of you. Now, that will you take. Now, what will you take? Come inside and have something. You don't know how lucky it is you're turning up just now. Let's sit quiet a bit, Toady, said the rat, throwing himself into an easy chair, 
while the mole took another by the side of him and made some civil remark about Toad's delightful residence. Finest house on the whole river, cried Toad, boisterously, or anywhere else for that matter, he could not help adding. Here the rat nudged the mole. Unfortunately, the Toad saw him do it and turned very red. There was a moment's painful silence, and Toad burst out laughing. All right, Ratty, he said. It's only my way, you know, and it's not such a very bad house, is it? You know, you, you rather like it yourself. Now, look here, let's be sensible. You are the very animals I wanted. You've got to help me. It's most important. It's about your rowing, I suppose, said the Rat, with an innocent air. You're getting on fairly well, though you splash a good bit still. With a great deal of patience and a quantity of coaching, you may... Oh, pooh! Boating, interrupted the toad in great disgust. Silly boyish amusement. I've given that up a long ago. Sheer waste of time. That's what it is. It makes me damn right sorry to see you fellows who ought to know better, spending all your energies in that aimless manner. No, I've discovered the real thing. The only genuine occupation for a lifetime. I propose to devote the remainder of mine to it and can only regret the wasted years that lie behind me, squandered in trivialities. Come with me. Dear Ratty, and your amiable friend also, if he will be so very good, just as far as the stable yard, and you shall see what you shall see. He led the way to the stable yard accordingly the rat following with a most distrustful expression, and there, drawn out of the coach-house into the open, he saw a gypsy caravan, shining with newness, painted a canary yellow, picked out with green and red wheels. "'There you are!' cried the toad, straddling and expanding himself. "'There's real life for you, embodied in that little cart.' "'The open road, the dusty highway, the heath, the common,' The hedgerows, the rolling downs, camps, villages, towns, cities. Here today, up and off to somewhere else tomorrow. Travel, change, interest, excitement. The whole world before you, and a horizon that's always changing. And mind, this is the very finest cart of its sort that was ever built, without exception. Come inside and look at the arrangements, planned, and all myself, I did. Hmm. The mole was tremendously interested and excited and followed him eagerly up the steps and into the interior of the caravan. The rat only snorted and thrust his hands deep into his pockets, remaining where he was. It was indeed a very compact and comfortable little sleeping bunks, a little table that folded up against the wall, a cooking stove, lockers, bookshelves, a bird cage with a bird in it, and pots, pans, jugs and kettles of every size and variety. All complete, said the toad triumphantly, pulling open a locker. You see, biscuits, potted lobsters, sardines, everything you can possibly want. Soda water here, backy, there, letter, paper, bacon, jam, cards and dominoes. You'll find, he continued as they descended the steps again, you'll find that nothing whatever has been forgotten when we make our start this afternoon. I beg your pardon, said the rat slowly, as he chewed a straw. But did I overhear you say something about we, and start, and this afternoon? 
Now, you dear good old Rutty, said Toad, imploringly, don't begin talking in that stiff and sniffy sort of way, because you know you've got to come. I can't possibly manage without you, so please consider it settled, and don't argue. It's the one thing I can't stand. You surely don't mean to stick to your dull, fusty old river all your life and just live in a hole in a bank and a boat. And I want you to show you the world. I want you to see the world. I'm going to make an animal of you, my boy. I don't care, said the rat doggedly. I'm not coming, and that's flat. And I'm going to stick to my old river and live in a hole and a boat, and as I've always done. And what's more, Mole's going to stick to me and do as I do. Aren't you, Mole? Oh, oh, of course I am, said the Mole loyally. I'll always stick with you, Rat. And what you say is to be... Well, has got to be. All the same, it sounds as if it might have been, well, rather fun, you know. He added wistfully. Poor Mole. The life of adventurous was so new a thing to him and so thrilling and his fresh aspect of it was so tempting and he had fallen in love at first sight with the canary-coloured cart and all its little fitments. The rat saw what was passing in his hand and wavered. He hated disappointing people and he was fond of them all and would do almost anything to oblige him. Toad was watching both of them closely. Come along in and have some lunch, he said diplomatically, and we'll talk it over. We needn't decide anything in a hurry. Of course. I don't really care. I only want to give pleasure to you fellows. Live for others. That's my motto in life. During luncheon, which was excellent, of course, as everything at Toad Hall always was, the Toad simply let himself go, disregarding the rat. He proceeded to play upon the inexperienced mould as on a hop naturally a voluble animal, and always mastered by his imagination. He painted the prospects of the trip and the joys of the open life and the roadside in such glowing colours that the mole could hardly sit in his chair for excitement. Somehow, it soon seemed taken for granted by all three of them that the trip was a settled thing, and the rat, though still unconvinced in mind, allowed his good nature to override his personal objections. He could not bear to disappoint his two friends, who were already deep in schemes and anticipations, planning out each day's separate occupation for several weeks ahead. When they were quite ready, the now triumphant Toad led his companions to the paddock and set them to capture the old grey horse, who, without having been consulted, and to his own extreme annoyance, had been told off by Toad for the duteous job in his dusty expedition. He frankly referred the paddock and took a deal of catching. Meantime, Toad packed the lockers with tighter when necessaries and hung hose bags, nets of onions, bundles of hay and baskets from the bottom of the cart. At last the horse was caught and harnessed, and they all set off, all talking at once, each animal either judging by the side of the cart or sitting on the shaft as the humour took him. It was a golden afternoon. The smell of the dust they kicked up as was rich and satisfying. Out of thick orchards on either side of the road, birds called and whistled to them cheerfully. Good-natured wayfarers passing them, 
gave them good day, or stopped to say nice things about their beautiful cart. And rabbits, sitting in their front doors in the hedgerows, held up their four paws and said, Oh my, oh my, oh my. Late in the evening, tired and happy and miles from home, they drew up on a remote common far from habitations, turned the horse loose to graze, and ate their simple supper sitting on the grass by the side of the cart. Toad talked big about all he was going to do in the days to come, while stars grew fuller and larger all around them, and a yellow moon, appearing suddenly and silently from nowhere in particular, came to keep them company and listen to their talk. At last they turned into their little bunks in the cart, and Toad, kicking out his legs, sleepingly said, Well, good night, you fellows. This is the real life for a gentleman. Talk about your old, old river. I don't talk about my river, replied the patient rat. You know I don't, Toad. But I think about it, he added pathetically in a lower tone. I think about it. All the time. The mole reached out from under his blanket, felt for the rat's paw in the darkness, and gave it a squeeze. I'll do whatever you like, Ratty, he whispered. Shall we run away tomorrow morning? Quite early, very early, and go back to our dear old hole on the river? No, no, we'll see it out, whispered back the rat. Thanks awfully, but I ought to stick by Toad till his trip is ended. It wouldn't be safe for him to be left to himself. I won't take very long. His fads never do. Good night. The end was indeed nearer than even the rat suspected. After so much open air and excitement, the toad slept very soundly, and no amount of shaking could rouse him out of bed next morning. So the mole and rat turned to quietly and manfully, and while the rats saw to the horse and lit a fire, and cleaned last night's cups and platters, and got things ready for breakfast, the mole trudged off to the nearest village, a long way off, for milk and eggs and various necessaries. The toad had, of course, forgotten to provide. The hard work had all been done, and the two animals were resting, thoroughly exhausted by the time toad appeared on the scene, fresh and gay, remarking what a pleasant, easy life it was, where they were all leading now, after the cares and worries and fatigues of housekeeping at home. They had a pleasant ramble that day over grassy downs and along narrow by-lanes and camped, as before, on a common. Only this time, two guests took care that Toad should do his fair share of work. In consequence, when the time came for starting next morning, Toad was by no means so rapturous about the simplicity of the primitive life and indeed attempted to resume his place in his bunk, whence he was hauled by force. Their way lay, as before, across country by narrow lanes, and it was not till the afternoon that they came out on the high road, their first high road, and their disaster. Fleet and unforeseen sprang out on them, disaster, momentous indeed to their expedition, but simply overwhelming, and its effect on the after-career of Toad. They were strolling along the high road easily, the mole by the horse's head talking to him, since the horse complained that he was being frightfully left out of it, and nobody considered him in the least. The Toad and the water rat, walking behind the cart, talking together, 
at least Toad was talking, and Rat was saying at intervals, Yes, precisely, and what you say to him, and thinking all the time of something very different. When far behind them they heard a faint warning hum, like the drone of a distant bee. Glancing back they saw a small cloud of dust with a dark scent of energy advancing on them at incredible speed, while from out of the dust a faint boop-boop wailed like an uneasy animal in pain. Hardly regarding it, they turned to resume their conversation, when in an instant, as it seemed, the peaceful scene was changed, and with a blast of wind and a whirl of sound that made them jump for the nearest ditch, it was on them. The boop-boop rang with a brazen shout in their ears. They had a moment's glimpse of an interior of glittering plate glass and rich Morocco and the magnificent motor car, immense, breathtaking, snatching, passionate with its pile of tents and hugging his wheel, possessed all earth and air for the fraction of a second, flung an enveloping cloud of dust that blinded and wrapped them utterly and then dwindled to a speck in the far distance changed back into a droning bee once more. The old grey horse, dreaming as he plodded along of his quiet paddock in a new raw situation such as this, simply abandoned himself to his natural emotions, rearing, plunging, backing steadily in spite of all the mole's efforts at his head and all the mole's lively language directed at his better feelings. He drove the cart backwards towards the deep ditch at the side of the road. It wavered an instant, then there was a heart-rendering crash, and the canary-coloured cart, their pride and their joy, lay on its side in the ditch, an irredeemable wreck. There you go. There's a little bit of a clip of uh, chapter two of The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. As I said, you know, I, I love this book. It's full of excitement. It's full of um, fun. It's the four characters it's, it's brilliantly written and um, even you know at its time when it was first printed in 1908 it was exceptional for the day so kids people guys what shall i do next week well i'm going to read you a little bit more i'm going to delve into the book a little deeper and perhaps skip to the middle of the book and read a couple of more chapters and then after that, in a few weeks' time, it's perhaps do a few more chapters to finish it off at the end of the book. So you get a feeling for the book you know, from the start, the middle, and the end. But for me, as I say, most at the end of most of my shows, I would just like to say thank you for listening, stay safe, and I will see you, hear from you, listen to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Smart Kids. Want to follow more of their adventures? Check out The Smart Kids by J.T. Crowley on Amazon.com now.